in the hand of another otter is just showing off, if you ask me. Isn't that incredible? But when I saw it, you know, I doubted David Attenborough. You know, but I went from a position where I said, I doubt it very much, to a point where I said, I believe it. I didn't believe either of those things. I doubted that they were true. But here's the thing. I now believe it. Do you know why? I looked into it. Ross was right. David Attenborough was right about these things. And do you know what this shows us? <laughs> it shows us that just because something is hard to believe doesn't mean it's not true. It means that we need to go digging. It means that if something is interesting, or maybe even something that we should want to be true, we should have a look and see. So what do you think about the resurrection of Jesus? This is what Christians believe, this is what the Bible teaches, that Jesus died and he was really dead. We heard from our reading earlier. That's why he was buried. Okay? But that three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. He, he was dead. And he became alive again. Now, there are some people in our world who say, I doubt it. And I doubt it very much. But there are some people in our world who say, I believe it. What is it? Is it I doubt it or is it I believe it? Well, again, just because something is hard to believe doesn't mean it's not true. So we should look into it. And I've got the perfect story. It's from John chapter 20 in our Bibles. And it's a story of a man called Thomas. Now, Thomas, to give you a bit of background, was really sad. It's John 20 and verse 24. I don't have a pew Bible number. Uh, could somebody shout it out for me, please? 1089. 1089. If you want to use one of the red Bibles round about you, it's page 1089. When we say John, that's the, the name of the book at the top. When we say 20, that's the big number on the page. And when we say verse 24, that's the tiny little number that's tucked in amongst the text. So John 20, verse 24. Now, let me give you some background on Thomas first, right? Can everybody make a sad face for me, boys and girls? Sad face. Well, some of you look angry. Okay, sad face. Sad face. Upset. Like you've just been told you're not allowed any Haribo or PlayStation time or something like that. Okay, right, okay, good. That's better. So he was really sad. Now, Thomas loved Jesus. He had followed Jesus for about three years and he had listened to everything that Jesus had taught, followed him around. He thought that Jesus was God's promised anointed king, the one that God had promised to send for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before. Okay, all the bit of the Bible before Jesus came, there was lots of promises in there that pointed forward to Jesus coming. Thomas thought he was the forever king. Okay, but when Jesus died, Thomas was really sad. He was upset. He, it, his hopes were dashed when Jesus died. But something strange had happened before this point in our text. Thomas's friends had said that they had seen Jesus alive and well. He had already appeared to them, but verse 24 in our passage tells us that Thomas, one of the 12 followers of Jesus, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, if you said to Thomas at this point, Jesus is, was dead, but now he's alive again, what would Thomas say? I believe it? No. What would he say? I doubt it. He would say that. That's right. How do we know that? Well, what the Bible tells us. It tells us really what people who doubt say. 
Look at verse 25, the next verse. The other disciples said, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Do you hear what he does? He does two things there. He says, I don't believe you, the people who are telling me this, and unless I, I demand proof, unless I see it for myself, I'm not going to believe it. Now, we all say that about certain things. Ross came into my room talking about square watermelons. My response, no way. No way. I will not believe it. But, and it's the same with Thomas. His friends come in and say, Jesus is alive. We've seen him. But he said, no way. I don't believe it. Now, why did Thomas not believe his friends? You ever thought about that? Why did he not believe them? He'd been with them for three years as well. Surely he knew that they would tell the truth. Well, there was one guy called Judas who hadn't, so maybe he wasn't sure who he should believe. And maybe he'd been so upset by Jesus' death that he didn't really know what was true anymore. Maybe it was just the fact that he thought, well, did dead people really rise from the dead? All he knew was that if it was true, he would need some proof. That's why he said, unless I see what? What did he say he wanted to see? The nail marks in his hands. And put his hand where? In his side. Oh, doesn't that sound gross? It does. And that's how people respond to the news about Jesus dying on the cross for sins, being buried, and then rising again three days later. Unless I see some proof. Now, we don't often say, unless Jesus comes and appears right in front of me right now, I will not believe this news. Now, I have heard some people say that, or things like that. Unless someone comes back from the dead and tells us what it's like on the other side, there's no way I'm going to believe it. But it's more often the case that people who've, who've experienced hard things in their lives, they're the ones who turn around and say, unless I have some explanation for why I've been put through the kind of thing I've been put through I will not believe it it tends to be more like that and that's what people do when we find things hard to believe we we sometimes don't do what Thomas did we just we, we don't even demand evidence sometimes we just say about something like the resurrection from the dead I doubt it but the sad thing is they never actually go into investigating it Finding out whether or not it's true. You know, with the square watermelons, what did I do? I, I, I looked at Google. Okay? I looked for proof. Okay? What do we want to do? What should people do if they doubt the resurrection of Jesus from the dead? They should look for evidence. Where do they go to? To the Bible. To the Bible. For the words of truth. And that's a good thing to do. So Thomas is like a, a doubter. He says... I will, I will not believe you, and unless I see some proof, I will not believe it. Okay? Now, here's the cool thing that happens next. Jesus turns up, right? A week later, verse 26, his disciples were in the house again, and who was with them? Thomas. Thomas. Though the doors were locked. In other words, Jesus didn't come knocking. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. It's kind of like their way of saying hello, but in a special way. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Do you know what he's doing? He's really kindly offering Thomas the proof, the evidence that he was looking for. Because his wounds were real, 
They show us that Jesus really died. The fact that he was there to show them off proved that he really was alive again. Jesus really had beaten death. He had conquered it and he had come back. Now, what do you think Thomas did when Jesus said, here are the holes, put your hands, put your fingers in, here's my sight, put your hand in. What do you think Thomas did? Do you think he did it? Yeah? Say yes if you think he did it. Say no if you think he didn't do it. Well, not ask the grown-ups. I'm not sure. Do you know lots of people for hundreds and hundreds of years, painters, artists, they've tried to paint a picture of this scene. And every one of them has somebody touching the holes in Jesus' hands and things like that. But I don't think that happened. I don't think that happened because of what Jesus said to Thomas next. He said to him, stop doubting and believe. In other words, Thomas is over here. He's saying, I demand proof. I will not believe you. But Jesus appears to him, offers him the proof and says to him though, stop doubting. It's kind of like a little way of telling him off, but in a really, really gentle way. You know the way that your parents maybe say, Craig, you've left your shoes in the hallway again. It's really a way of saying, Craig, pick up your shoes. Why then? In a gentle way. Okay? Do you understand? Good. So stop doubting and believe, Thomas. Now, what is Thomas to stop doubting? What is he to stop doubting? Stop doubting what? His friends. Because his friends are telling them the truth. For a whole week they've been saying to him, honestly Thomas, what do I have to do to convince you that Jesus is really alive again? We're all talking about it. We're all talking about it. Believe it. Jesus says, stop doubting the witnesses, those who've seen it. Stop doubting those who've seen the risen Jesus and just believe it. And then he says to them, says to Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Just believe them. Believe what they say. Because doubt, you see, if you are in this kind of situation where you're saying, oh, come on, you're asleep. Go. Right, wake it up now. Ready? When you're saying, I doubt it. Good. Some of the adults are asleep. Um, then it can leave you in a really bad place because it's only by saying, I believe it. Good, that's much better. It's only by saying, I believe it, that we're in a good place with God, that, that we have happiness with him and that we have our sins forgiven. That's why we should stop doubting it and believe it. To believe what Jesus has said, because he did say again and again and again, I'm going to die and then three days later, I'm going to be raised to life again. And believe what his friends have told you. He died and he rose. Now here's the thing. Even if we have doubts today, Jesus still says, stop doubting and believe. Now we can say, you know, we don't have Jesus suddenly appearing in the flesh here today. And that's right. But even if he did, and even if you told your friends about it, do you know what the first response would be? Most likely it's going to be a no way. Or you go and tell your friends and they say, ah, you know, it's all smokes and mirror, smoke and mirrors, you know, you can't believe all that stuff. People just come up with some excuse for not actually believing. But it's true. Now, maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. You would say, well, we don't have the message of those. If we had Peter and James and others who were able to say, we have seen the Lord, let me tell you all about it. You know, if we had them here today telling us, then I might have reason to believe it. Well, actually, we do. We have their words and their accounts 
carefully written down for us, stored up, locked up in a reliable book called the Bible. Which, as any historian will tell you, is true. We've got so many texts from 2,000 years ago which shows that what we have today is really what they wrote back then. Have you looked into that and explored that? There is every reason to have confidence in these words. And that's what helps us. As we have the word of these men in the Bible who have been careful to write it down and seal it up their, seal up their story, they told us what they saw so that we can move, like Thomas, from saying, I doubt it, to saying, I believe it. And that's what, we, that's what we read about in verses 30 to 31, where it says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, not recorded in this book, but these things, the things that are written, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life in his name. So how does Thomas respond to this appearance of Jesus? How does Thomas respond to Jesus when he says, stop doubting what these people have told you and believe it? Look at what he says in verse 28. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. In other words, Thomas has moved from saying, I doubt it, over to saying, I believe it. He's a believer. Now, Thomas said it, and this is one of the clearest, most wonderful expressions. It's one of the strongest ways that someone can say, I believe it in the Bible. Thomas gets it. He knows who Jesus is. He calls him as Lord and God. Hands up who's heard of a guy called Colin Buchanan. Hands up if you know the song, Jesus is a Mighty, Mighty King. Any grown-ups? A few. I love this song. We sing it with our kids often. So you sing kind of like... Liam is not the boss. Ah, ah. No. Margaret is not the boss. Ah, ah. Paul is not the boss. Ah, ah. Who is? Jesus is the boss because no one's joining me. (laughs) Jesus is the mighty, mighty king. Jesus is... The mighty, mighty king. God made him the boss of everything because Jesus is the... Yes, sir. Brilliant. Good. Excellent. So what does it mean? He says, my Lord. Lord, he's a king. He's in control. He's the boss. My Lord and my God. In other words, Jesus, this man who's walking around, he's God in the flesh. God come down from heaven to tell us all about who we are and to show us who he is so that we can know him and be saved from all the things that keep us from him and Thomas says you're Lord you're God but it's a personal thing he says you're my Lord you're my King Jesus you're my God I believe in you so he moves from saying I doubt it to saying I believe it by saying Jesus you're my Lord and my God and I think what Jesus says next is very very important Especially for us today, who don't get to see Jesus in the flesh. He says, because you have seen Thomas, you have believed. But blessed, in other words, happy, are those 
who have not seen and yet believe. In other words, you cannot see what Thomas saw and still believe the truth that Jesus died, was buried and rose again. And what do people say when they believe that? Do they say this? Do they say, I doubt it? No, they say, my Lord and my God. They say, say it with me, I believe it. Now, boys and girls, if you believe it, as happy believers do, and if you want to trust in Jesus, even today, and if any of the grown-ups want to do this too, you can pray to God yourself, and you can ask him for forgiveness. You can say, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. I don't doubt it anymore. I believe it. You are Lord and God. That's all you have to do. If you do that, we'd love to hear from you. You can use a Connect card uh, to fill in and tell us if you did that today. Or if you would like to find out more about this thing called Christian. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard about Jesus dying, being buried and rising from the dead again. Well, you need to just fill in one of these forms and give it to one of the welcomers at the door. And we would love to get in touch with you and help you figure these things out. Thank you so much, boys and girls, for listening so well. Give me a big thumbs up. You did well. Thank you. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, thank you.